My uh, little book I called Sunset on Summer is a collection of stories that are mostly about family. And in it, I, I, uh, when I was putting the stories together, I was looking through stories that I had written about family. And I, I discovered something interesting. I journal, and, and uh, it was probably 25 years ago now, on a summer night, it was um, Memorial Day. It was uh, when we put the kids in bed. And they were little, and some of them weren't born yet, and they, they uh, put them in bed, and then uh, I prayed with them, um, knelt by their beds and prayed with them, and then I went up uh, to a room where Lois was working and had a little desk up there, and I did my little journaling for the day, and uh, my heart was really flooded with uh, desires for my kids that summer and what we would do as a family, and I wrote them down, the things that we wanted to do. It's in the little book there. And um, and then the summer went by really, 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 really fast. And then Labor Day, we had a wonderful day and a picnic in the end of summer. And I put the kids in bed and out by their beds and I prayed with them. And then I went up and I got my journal out to write. And, and I wrote and I compared the two. And I thought, wow, you know, that was just a really fast summer. And a lot of the things that I really wanted to do and hoped would happen just didn't happen. And a lot of really, really neat things I didn't think were going to happen happened. It was a good summer. And tonight, what I want to do with you is, I wish I could move you in closer and I could look in your eyes closer. Um, I wish I could build a fire and we could smell the wood smoke and hear the crackling of the fire, and we could talk back and forth a little bit. I knew that tonight some people, our loved ones, would be out of town, and this is the place in Michigan where people leave a lot of times this weekend, except for us poor folk who don't have a cabin up north. So here we are, right? And, uh, and uh, here we are in t- tonight, and I thought about those people, those evil people, and just kidding, I thought about those people and who I love a lot and thought about you. And, and very much kind of like my children, I have a desire for you that the Lord just kind of swelled up in my heart when I thought about you. And when I thought about your family, I thought about your summer, what would happen between your Memorial Day and your Labor Day this summer. And um, I feel like it was the Lord stirring my heart for you that you would have a good summer. That you would prosper this summer. And um, our role model always has been and always will be our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll never get tired of talking about Him. We'll never get tired of sharing His stories. We'll never get tired of praising Him. We'll never get tired of writing songs about him we'll never get tired of taking his name on our lips we'll never get tired of telling everyone we know about jesus christ his name will never get old to us he will never wear out his welcome throughout eternity more and more and more we will admire jesus more and more and more no one else in the world we could ever say that about no matter how much we love them if we heard about a good person that we love very much and we met every week and we had an hour of praise for him, it would seem really bizarre in about the second week. Amen? 
but not our Savior. And so he's our role model. He's the one we want to be like. I have a, I have a prayer for you. I have a wish for you. I have a hope for you. I have a desire for all, each of you this summer between Memorial Day and Labor Day. And it's based on who Jesus is that you would like Jesus, be like Jesus, and, and have in your life and have in your experience this summer what Jesus had in his life. That would just be a really wonderful role model. I was at Cedarville University, Cedarville College at the time, for a Word of Life conference, and it was just packed with people. And they had Georgie Vins was there, and Joe Stoll was there. It was quite a conference. And some of you may remember, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because of its relevance to what I'm going to say. They had a panel discussion after the guys had spoken. They had a panel discussion. And one of the pastors, I think there, one of the youth workers was, was talking. It was asking the question, now, how, do you, how do you do with your day off and your time and your quiet time and all of that? And Joe Stoll's answer was like usual, just uh, profound and humorous answer he said you know a lot of people say the devil never takes a day off but then he smiled and he said but the devil's not my role model i thought that was good and our our father heavenly father who never tires had a day off he took naps he worked hard he worked early and late he did amazing things He sometimes worked hungry and tired, but frequently in the Bible, if you want to have fun, study the book of Luke, frequently in the Bible, you know what you see about Jesus is that he went away to quiet, deserted places, and then he spent time alone, in the quiet, by the water, in the mountains. Did you ever think Jesus sometimes stayed out, the Bible says this, he stayed outside at night up on the Mount of Olives. He built a fire and looked over the city and camped out up on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the city, which he loved. Mary, Martha, Lazarus' house was just around at Bethany. He could always go there when he wanted to. But often Jesus spent the night outdoors. I think that is a part of who Jesus was, and I think he's a good role model. Do you agree? I do too. Interesting thing, Jesus got a lot done. In Mark chapter 1, the, the, the text tonight is Mark one thirty-five. but leading up to Mark 1, it's interesting. Notice these things about Jesus in Mark 1. He inspired people to follow him. He was able to inspire people to follow him at great personal sacrifice. That is no small thing. I always like to say, as a pastor, I can't even get people to change the color of the carpet. I wouldn't want to here. I like it. But I pastored a church one time when the color seriously needed to be changed. And those dear people, I love them. They love me. But they waited till I left to change the carpet. I've always really didn't appreciate that. I'm like, I look at their picture now. I'm like, yeah, nice carpet. When I was there, while well, we're just talking and it's just us. When I was there, they're good people, and it was a beautiful building, and they spent a lot of money on it, and they're careful, and the carpet didn't wear out. I mean, it wasn't worn out, so they're like, we're not going to replace the carpet until it wears out. I'm like, wear it out! They're like, well, we're going to send more missionaries. We're not going to replace the carpet until it wears out. Those people didn't have air conditioning for years. They're like, no, we don't need, we got missionaries that are working without air conditioning. We're not going to, that's the way they were. They're good folk, Dutch folk up there, Fremont. And they had this, ugly carpet. I'm really off the subject, but this is fun, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it anyway. And they had this terribly ugly carpet. is orange pews, and, and the carpet was a swirl that looked like ice cream, or maybe somebody threw up on it. It was just horrible. 
maybe a little of both. And Ken Rudolph came to preach. I did not prep him. I didn't tell him anything. Spirit-filled guy. Ken Rudolph comes to preach. And in the middle of his message, all of a sudden he just goes, where did you people get this carpet? And I'm in the front row going, they're going to think I paid him to say this. He goes, did you like have a hippie pastor back in the 70s? And they had this pastor back in the 70s that was very highly revered, Dale Mead. And I'm like, oh my word, I don't believe he said that. Anyway, they changed the carpet. It's, I, it's hard to influence people. A lot of times they won't do it just because you want them to do it. They'll wait till you're not looking, then they'll do it. Say it was their idea. Are any of you like that? Yes, you are. Do you like your wife to tell you how to drive? Where to park? Huh? Talk to me. No, of course not. You love it when your parents tell you what to do? No, see, the same way. Jesus had this ability to get people to do stuff. It's amazing. He really did. Get people to follow him. Lay down what they loved and follow him. That's what happened in Mark chapter 1. It's recorded in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. He inspired people to follow him and sacrifice and make big life changes. It is pretty neat. I admire him for that. He also delivered people from spiritual bondage, from demon oppression and demon possession. Chapter 1 of Mark, verses 21 through 28, verse 32. At evening when the sun had set, they brought him all who were sick and those who were demon possessed. That was no problem for him. He helped people who hurt. Chapter 1, verse 29. As soon as they'd come out of the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John, Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left, and she made food. That's what it means when it says she served them. Isn't that kind of humorous? Did anybody like, did you just like read over that? Mom's sick, nobody's going to eat. Let's heal her. Okay, you can make the food now. <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, Jesus, this morning, remember, he made bread, so he could have made the food himself. Um, he wanted, he, people wanted to be around Jesus. Look at verse 33. The whole, verse, the whole city was gathered together at his door. If you had any sense, you would so want to be around this man. If you had any sense. There were people whose minds were twisted and corrupted and weird, and they didn't love him. But if you had any spiritual sense, you would just find yourself like pulled to him like a magnet. If anyone is exemplary role model, it's Jesus who healed people. People wanted to be around him. People wanted to follow him. He was what he was and is wonderful, isn't he? Wonderful, isn't he? He helped people with their guilt. He forgave their sins. Anybody appreciate that about him? Chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus saw their faith. He's talking about the paralytic. He says to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. That was like a little twist. Here's a sick guy. Jesus says, you're forgiven of your sins. <laughs> I love that. Did you, ever, did you ever feel the mercy of Jesus? Yeah, other people are like breathing down your neck, reminding you of your sin and who you are. And then there's this wonderful memory, this wonderful truth, Calvary, Jesus. If anybody had the right to condemn you, he has the right to condemn you. And he doesn't do that. Oh, that's the beautiful thing about him. He's a role model. He's a wonderful role model. <laughs> Never get tired of talking about him. But it's interesting that Jesus, though all these things were true about him, he was not always available, and he didn't heal everybody, and he didn't save everybody. And when he died, he said, it is finished, but there were a lot of people who were still sick, and a lot of people who were still sinners when he died. 
And Jesus wasn't always available to people. Sometimes they had to come looking for him, and they said, where have you been? We need you. But there were many times when he was not available to people. Interesting. So here are some things I hope for you based on who Jesus is. I hope for you. And I pray. It's like, I know I'm not your dad or your grandpa, but we, Holly, you remember this? whole family, we took a vacation up to the UP, and we were staying there at Wolf Lake and Duck Point. <laughs> remember that? It was Father's Day. <laughs> it was Father's Day. And the kids were all going to read me a Father's Day letter, which was really pretty neat, you know. And so they all had prepared a Father's Day letter, and we built a fire out on the point. It was like Duck Point was a house on a point in the middle of this lake. It was beautiful. You know, up there, the tannin-stained waters of the UP, it's got a little copper color to it. And the loons are one of the few places in America when you can hear the loons at night. And the sun had gone down on the lake and it was cool and perfect and beautiful. There was a little bit of breeze so the skeeters were being blown away. Later in the week they came in, we called it Skeeter Point, but before that we called it Duck Point. But the breeze was blowing just a little bit that night. All the kids read their letter. Then Holly was reading her letter. And Holly's got a tender heart, which was one of the things about her that we love. So she always cries when she reads the letter. And, and, and so that, I always like that. I love it when my children cry. And, uh, and, and so she was just reading a letter, and then all of a sudden there was a little noise, and out in the water was like an otter that was swimming around in a circle right around the point. We're like, look at that! And Holly's like, okay, like I'm crying and reading this letter, and then we're doing this nature thing, you know. Um, it was a beautiful night. And well, I remember, I, I wish I could create a... Uh, setting like that. I wish that tonight there was some way that I could open my heart to you and say, I hope for, I wish for you this summer, these things. Make fellowship with God a priority. This is what Jesus says. It says, Mark 135, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a desolate place. Isn't that wonderful? He departed, he went away from, from others. It was a great while before day. Jesus made a priority. You see this in Isaiah. Jesus made a priority of fellowship with God. And, t- and this summer, one of the things I hope for you, if you don't get hardly anything else done, it may, let's, you pray for me, and I'll pray for you, that we would make fellowship with God a priority. We, we keep the pressure on here talking about evangelism all the time. You know, we're always talking about evangelism and we're never going to stop doing that. That's right. That's right. But if evangelism is just something that we hustle and we do and we don't really have intimacy with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord, it's going to be hollow. It's just going to be busyness. It's not going to be good. And so what I pray for you like if I knelt and prayed for you, it would be that you would make fellowship with God a priority like Jesus did. Rising, rising up a great while before day, long before daylight, Jesus got up in Mark one thirty-five. And now I, I would pray this. I would pray that you would enjoy the luxury of solitude. And he, he, he went out and he departed. In Galilee, this was in Galilee, and in, and in Galilee, it's it's beautiful. It's it's at it, it, times of the year, it's it's lush, it, it's full of growing things. Right now, Galilee is a beautiful, beautiful place. The region around the lake is so pretty, so beautiful, so many growing things. is so amazing. 
And Jesus found a beautiful, there, were, there are beautiful places. There's the rise and fall of the land and, and the beautiful growing things. And there's water that runs and birds that come over that area. And Jesus loved to go out. And you know how the birds sing early in the morning. The noise of the bird songs early in the morning. And the fragrance on the air early in the morning. And the blush of the flowers early in the morning. And the rising of the sun early in the morning. And the cool of the day in the early morning. And Jesus is out before light and he's talking with the Lord, with his Father. Get, he got away in this, if we can call it this, the luxury of solitude. Everybody needs that. You need that. I don't care how hard you work or what you get done. You need some time alone. I, I don't remember hearing a lot about this in church. Often I, I guess the parts that I always heard growing up were go and do and work and, you know, and just uh, keep moving and don't waste a single hour and keep, you know, and, and I uh, was in ministry pretty heavy. When I was up uh, in, in Scroon Lake, uh, New York, and had taken a bunch of kids up there and they, and they, I thought I was going to go over on the island and spend the time with my kids in the youth group. And uh, they weren't. They had me stay on the mainland. And so then I was there alone and uh, had those, those Adirondack chairs, you know, all over the hillsides up there in the Adirondacks. That's what they call them, Adirondack chairs. And uh, with the big wide, you know, arms. And I got a book by Vance Havner. And Vance Havner was a guy who understood this. He, he read the Bible through the lens of ability to see that Jesus loved nature and that Jesus took times to be quiet and that Jesus was often among people like jostling through the marketplace with people pulling on him and he would stay up late at night and exhaust himself, but then he would get away. And, and Vance Havner wrote so beautifully about that. My soul just drank that in. I thought, I want that to be a part of my ministry from now and forever. I want it for you. I wish for you, I pray for you, that you won't just, just go, 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 work, 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 you know, labor, 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 maybe impress God how good you are. You know, don't even get in that. That's like that, that's like the Christian hamster wheel, you know? You're just going to wear yourself out. You're not going to impress an untiring God. Did you ever, my, I'll tell you something a little personal. My dad is a go, go, go type A personality, doesn't ever sit down. That's why he's skinny and I'm not. The man never stops moving. Seriously. He's a a wonderful man. If I go to his house, what I like is, I'm like a relationship guy. So it's like, I want to go, and I just want to sit down with my dad, and I want to talk. And to be honest with you, you know, he's 78, so I always think, well, that's kind of getting older. So I always, I just want to be with him, and I want to just talk with him. I don't want him to go do things. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when he thinks of something he's got to do. And he'll, he can only sit still so long, just the way he is. He can only sits still so long. Me, I can talk with you for hours. You know, take, buy me barbecue. We'll talk for four hours. I can talk for four hours over some good brisket. And, and, we, and my dad's like, okay, we need to go look at the lawnmower. I'm like, we don't need to go look at the I don't tell him this. He's my dad. We just go look at the lawnmower. He let me go look at the lawnmower and tinker with things. He loves to tinker with things. He comes to our house, and I don't tinker with things. Lois wishes I tinkered with things more. You know, she does. I mean, she, she could, she'd appreciate it if I was better at fixing things. And every once in a while, I'll be having a conversation with my dad, and Lois will just inadvertently slip, and I'm sure her motives are pure, and she will say something like, I mean, you might want to ask your dad about how to fix that no- knob on the bathroom. And then I'm like, oh, thank you for that. Now we're going to spend the rest of the time working on the knob in the bathroom. 
Yeah, yeah. The Lord, the Lord um, doesn't need us to scurry around fixing. Of course, we have our duties that we should take care of our duties. And, you know, I understand that. And if your wife needs to knob in a bathroom fix, you should get it taken care of, or you should get somebody to get it taken care of. That's right. She shouldn't have to ask your dad. You know, he should just get it done. You know all that. We don't, you don't need those caveats, right? What I'm saying is the Heavenly Father delights in you. He loves you. He likes you. He likes the sound of your voice. You're precious to him. If, if he was a grandfather, he would look at your Facebook all the time. He would look for your pictures. He'd want to look at and count your toes over and over again. He, he delights in you. He loves you. He likes you. You don't have to do anything to get him to like you. He already likes you. He already loves you. He already gave his son Jesus to die for you. You don't have to work hard in order to get his favor. You couldn't get his favor anymore than you already have his favor because he gave his own son for you. So sometimes you ought to just sit still and be with him. You see, and the son, the son, Jesus, he knew that. This is, I'll only do this real quick. There's three summer disciplines that I, I, would, I, I covet for you. Solitude, silence, simplicity. They kind of all go together here in a solitude thing. And I don't have time for, for all that because I have made up my mind I'm not going to keep you too late tonight because you're good eggs and you came. But this is so rich. That whole silence thing, you see that there. It, it, there's something that, to be said for silence. God wants us sometimes to talk, witness, sing, pray. Sometimes He just wants us to be quiet. Some examples there. You know, um, Elijah goes, and if, he doesn't, if he's not quiet, he doesn't hear the still, small voice. Sometimes silence is a sound of reverence. Let all the world keep silence before Him. Revelation 18.1, and 30 minutes of silence in heaven. We don't normally do it that way. Silence is an aid to submission and to learning, and we're all to submit. This particular passage in 1 Corinthians 14 happens to be about women, but all of us submit, and we submit in silence. You ever know that? If you're a boss, sometimes you want the guy to just be quiet and listen to what I'm telling you here, right? And all of us have time. We just need to be quiet and listen. And who is the boss? I mean, who is the king? It's... It's God. So we sometimes just silence, just quietness. Just go out, walk, don't talk, don't pray, just be quiet. I wish for you the flower of silence to grow in the garden of your heart this summer and the flower of solitude to grow in the garden of your heart this summer. Uh, the, the scriptures in Lamentations 3, uh, verse 28, say, let them sit alone and keep silence. It's a sign of submission to God sometimes. Okay, God, I'm just going to be quiet here. Job did that. I'm just going to be, I'm gonna, I, I've had my say. Now I'm going to just be quiet. I'm going to listen to you. And that's the scripture saying in James 1, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. In simplicity, those passages, you can study them on your own in your quiet time. But I'd like to go back. Here's what I hope for. I hope that you will make fellowship with God a priority. I hope that you will enjoy the luxury of solitude this summer. I hope there's a little solitude in your life every single week. I hope you and your family have family aloneness, that you and your family as a unit, as an autonomous unit, as a family, will take times and say, we're just, I hope you're a dad, and if you're a mom, you help make this happen. If you're a dad... I just challenge you, and you'll, you'll thank me for it, to say there are just times we're going to get our family and we're going to get someplace alone. We had a night like that the other night. We were given a gift. I have permission to tell you where I got it, but we were given a gift, and so we got to take the family to Cracker Barrel, quite an expensive thing for a big family. And Cracker Barrel has this awesome menu, and they have this beautiful round table with just enough chairs for the whole family to be and we went over that corner around that table and just sat around that whole table and we had a meal together 
And one of the kids mentioned on the way out, that was a really nice night. Do you understand? Your Heavenly Father wants sometimes to look across the table at you, listen to what you have to say. And your family, your kids need that, your wife needs that. That's something that you are, that's solitude as a family. But then you have personal, individual solitude, the luxury of solitude. Then the stimulus of creation. This is a huge thing. Why did God make the, why did God make the, uh, birds all fly differently and sound different and be why did he make them different colors well there are probably good reasons why other than the fact that he wanted to delight us with their beauty i was taking a walk in a park this week and talking with the lord and just it was a gorgeous gorgeous morning it was a beautiful morning it was one of those just heart twisting beautifully beautiful mornings and i had gotten uh, way early and so i was out in the park and i was going to walk a few miles and just be and it was so cool it was like beautifully cool and it, it was so fresh that i walked through a meadow i walked over a river every every place i walked there was a certain fragrance to it when i walked over the river it smelled kind of fishy to me not really all that great of a fragrance, but nonetheless, I, you could sort of smell that over the river. And then I walked through this meadow, and I didn't really notice anything until I really paid careful attention, and there was sort of a sense there, there was sort of a scent in the meadow there of the things that were growing. But then I got to the woods, and I walked on the, the trail, followed the edge of the woods for about a mile. And I noticed that it was early in the morning, and so the breeze was coming through the woods. It was like blowing through the woods a fragrance like perfume. It was the most beautiful fragrance. And there was a wood thrush singing in the woods, this beautiful kind of musical, kind of beautiful lyrical kind of a song of the wood thrush. And it made me cry. I just thought, thank you, Lord, that I can walk and I can smell these things and I can hear these things. I think people who overlook creation as a stimulant to worship, are, I feel so bad for them. I feel so sorry for people like that. I read sometimes books of people that go thundering through the, the world and they never notice what they just like. They just totally overlooked everything. Like, pay attention. And so I wish for you this summer that if you never have before, that if you have the money and you can get to a place, like we live in a gorgeous state where there's big water surrounding us, get to a place where you can see big water. Get to a place where you can hear the song of the wood thrush. Get to a place where you can hear the gurgle of the water. But use that as a stimulant to your fellowship with the Lord. That's not God. That's created by God, as you know. And then there's... uh, Jesus went to this solitary place, and he frequently went to a wilderness place. In wilderness uh, near Galilee, it's lush, beautiful flowers, trees. In the wilderness of Judea, it's stark and different and amazing. Like it's amazingly beautiful, stunningly different. They're like caves and places to go. And then there are also places where they're like riverbeds or creek beds, wadis, they call them there, that are dry all the time until there's a big rain. And then they just thunder with, with dangerous flash floods. And there are places like that that you read about them in the Bible, in Gedi and places like that. If you read your Bible carefully, you will notice that Jesus didn't thunder through life ignoring the things that he created around him. And you shouldn't either. And if you haven't already got onto this, I'm so glad to be able to tell you tonight, don't feel guilty 
when you just go and you leave your Bible closed and set it aside for a moment and don't pray anything. Just be where God made beautiful things to delight your soul and watch the flight of the birds and listen to their songs and maybe teach your children some of them. I, I was walking, taking a walk with Hazard today and uh, the Wonder Dog and I saw something that just like, you, when you get old, older, you, you see things like this. There's a girl, a little girl there with her daddy, and she had a brand new bike. It was obviously brand new, and she was a little tiny girl. These are training wheels on her bike. Chris, now that's pretty cool. We're not going to have little girls with training wheels until we get grandkids, you know? But that was a time, wasn't it? And I just envied him. I, I wanted to talk to him. You know how senile old people do. Oh, that's so good. I, I better not do that. I think I'm weird, you know? I'm kidding about the senile part. Don't be mad at me. I want to say something. I want to say, I wrote a, I wrote a story about that. He was like, it, this was like a passage of life when you get a little girl that age that's got her training wheels on her bike and you're teaching her to train wheels. This is a sacrament. This is a holy moment. This is something you want to savor. I just, pretty fun. Going to come and going to go? God created that little girl, color of her eyes, where her voice sounds, where her hair looks in the sun. Thank God for that stuff. This summer, don't overlook it. Don't be some clod of a pagan that doesn't pay attention to what God did. And employ the stimulus of creation for holiness. And then exercise the privilege of prayer. That's what Jesus did. And there he prayed. As these things kind of stirred his heart, as he got up early in the morning, as he went out away from other people, and as he was in a solitary place, enjoying the stimulus of nature, then the prayer came, the talking to God. just comes naturally out. You want to tell him how thankful you are. You want to tell him how much you love him. You want to pour your heart out to him and ask him the things that are breaking your heart, that are burdening you. This is what I pray for you. So I hope you guys, between... Memorial Day and Labor Day, I just hope you have a great summer. I know we may be facing some difficulties, and you may have hard work you have to do, and there may be people that are pulling on you, and you may be really tempted to just run and and overschedule, but I really hope you don't do that. I hope that these things are a part of your life, fellowship with God, solitude, creation, and then that prayer that spontaneously just flows out of a heart that's full of love for God. I hope that's the way summer is for you. I was walking the other day, I was thinking how cool it would be to have cups. Wanda, Bob, it, it, it was, I don't know how she did as we were talking one morning, and she didn't have a coffee cup, and I gave her a coffee cup, and I said, here's the deal. You can have this coffee cup. It, it's, it's a favorite of mine. It had a little quilt pattern on it. It was given to me a long time ago. I said, you can have it. Wash it and everything. And um, I said, but every time you drink out of it, you have to pray for me. She said, it's a deal. But she broke the cup the other day. So I'm not sure what that means. I guess you'd probably get her another one really fast. And I was thinking selfishly, I would love to make a cup. <laughs> I would never do this. It's kind, of, it's kind of too selfish. But I'd love to make a cup that says, pray for Ken, <laughs> and give it to you. And then every time you, you drank, you'd pray for me. Uh, I think about that a lot because I really need a lot of prayer. But um, pray for one another and pray for me. I appreciate that. I'll pray for you. Pray for one another. And may God give you the most wonderful, beautiful, worshipful summer of your entire life. Glad you came tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for these precious people. It's Memorial Day weekend, and we have a lot to be thankful for in this country. We know there are many that even tonight are laying down their lives because their country has sent them into harm's way. And I thank you for those uh, men and women, young and old, that have served our country, but especially those who lay down their lives. And, and uh, we, we, we think of you whenever we think of someone who laid down his life, and we love you for that. And so tonight and throughout this, uh, tomorrow on the holiday, and throughout this summer, Lord, I pray that you would help the people who are here tonight remember our desire for them, our prayer, our hope for them that they would be like you, that we would be like you, that we would be the kind of people who prioritize fellowship with God and that we get away alone and quiet and simple. And that, Lord, that we enjoy the beauty of the creation that you've made and that out of that spills sincere and genuine prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.